I'm Michelle Olivier, and you're listening to Hey, I Want Your Job, the podcast that looks at amazing jobs and what it takes to get them. Welcome to Hey, I Want Your Job, and believe me, this week, I both desperately want your job and really need to never have your job, Lindsay, (laughs) because um, quite frankly, my ass is fat enough. And if I had your job, I would just be like rolling down the street, like, you know, like the Violet in the Willy Wonka um, film kind of style. So on that note, Lindsay Tarnoff, what is your job title? So I am the CEO and chief chocolatier of Laughing Gull Chocolates. Yes, you are. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So, okay. So the first thing I have to say before we get into like what you really do, have you heard about seagull management? Is this the thing that you've heard of? Okay. So, you know, there's always like some new flash in the pan, like management style shit. So there's a new one that is seagull management style. And the idea is that like everybody is doing their thing. And then you as a manager swoop in shit in their work and then fly back out. (laughs) I have been accused of being seagull management style, but I feel strongly that the laughing gull needs to have some kind of like a nod to like a, like for boss's day or something, some sort of like a seagull management. Like, are you a seagull manager? Here are your bird shit chocolates. And I think that would be hilarious. Um, and I, that, so that is my new marketing tip for you for free. Uh, because every time, like as soon as my team heard that I was talking to somebody from Laughing Girl, they're like, <clears throat> Oh, really? Another seagull? Then I'm like, shut your face. Oh, no. <laughs> I try really hard not to be a seagull manager. I'm just not always good at it. Hey, everybody has their downfalls. <laughs> <sighs> Apparently, management through like billboards is not great. So I will, I'll say things like, great, I need you to finish that project by Thursday. Okay, thanks. Bye. And they're like, what? I have so many questions and I'm like, oh, I don't want to micromanage. Right. (laughs) So anyway, enough about me. Back to you and the chocolate. So how like every child thinks I want to be a chocolatier as soon as they know that's even a thing. Yeah. So how did you wind up actually getting the ultimate dream job? Well, um, I guess the short answer is I created it, (laughs) but I didn't really know it was a thing. Like, I guess I knew you could be a baker. Mm -hmm. But I had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up, so to speak. And then I was in undergrad and I had to write a capstone paper. And so I wrote it on the history of the morality of chocolate. And um, because I was combining all of these different topics, my mind, you'll probably hear, goes in a thousand different directions at one time. And I started telling people that I was going to save the world with chocolate. And then while I had no idea what that meant, I continued to say it and I repeated it and repeated it. And then slowly but surely I created the job that I have. Um, Granted, there are others that do similar jobs, um, but I kind of designed Laughing Gull Chocolates and, and made it happen. I love it. You're saving the world with chocolate. What an amazing 
mission. Like, I think that's incredible. So well done. So why laughing gull? Like, where did that come from? That's a very specific image. Is I know, I know. And it has not, so for me, it was all a positive, it was all positive imagery. Um, It wasn't until a, a year or two after I created the business that somebody said, oh, a seagull, huh? They're not always very nice, but <laughs> excuse me. For me, it was a positive memory of like going to the beach with my family and with friends. And so the the name is actually a tribute to my grandmother who loved dark chocolate. I grew up baking with her and she passed away that week that I was doing all the paperwork for the business. And my now husband and I were looking at a bird book thinking about her and it just kind of came about and it it fit. Um, and I called my mom and said, what do you think about laughing gull chocolates? And it stuck. So it has nothing to do with changing the world with chocolate, but very much a part of me and who I am. I think that is so sweet. And just, I mean, that's just a delightful like origin (laughs) story to have. So I totally love that. My, our business name is in nothing nearly so sentimental is literally my initial and my husband's initial smushed together. And that's it. Like, (laughs) Totally boring, laughing goal because a much better origin story. Well done. <laughs> so when you started off as laughing goal, like I, your website's amazing. You have so many products, and <clears throat> I should tell you, I have a, I order all of the crazy bougie truffle, I like truffles and stuff that Facebook tells me that I really need to try. They'll be like. <gasps> Have you seen this from this incredible new chocolate here? And I'm like, no, but you're right. I should spend $200 on those truffles. Thank you. Yes. In my face. No problem. Yep. Yeah. Um, I So I am literally going to like have to spend a ton of money on your website because that is exactly what I do with bougie chocolate. My children think that truffles and macarons are normal. And yeah. apparently that's, uh, your children probably do too, but like yeah. you're a chocolatier. Right. They started off with cacao beans, like 100% cacao. So yeah, (laughs) they're spoiled. (laughs) Yes. So talk to me, like, what was the evolution business? Did you just like walk in day one and you're like, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to do chocolate bars. I'm going to do truffles. Just I'm everything in the world is chocolate. Well, I said no, but kind of yes. Okay. So, so I came up with the idea of doing something with chocolate when I was in college. And then, you know, years and years passed and I worked at a university. I worked with international students. I worked, you know, I taught, I um, worked in a, at a nonprofit. And the whole time, this idea was kind of simmering in my mind. And so um, the opportunity came up to start a food business when I was living in Rhode Island and I kind of jumped into it. I had been making truffles with friends for a couple of years and I had, oh, I had a chalkboard in my house. So I had, I don't know, maybe a hundred different flavors of truffles. And so started out that way, um, exclusively with truffles and then wanted to get into doing all of the different things. Turns out you can't do that feasibly, um, not well anyway. And so I kind of took a step back when I moved to Rochester I had a baby and opened up a brick and mortar pretty much at the same time. Um, for those of you who have either started a business or had a baby, they're both really hard. Yes. Uh, oh my God. So I met two absolutely incredible 
other young moms um, that lived close by. We met in a, you know, a, a, a new moms group and they had newborns who were about six weeks, like within six weeks of my daughter's age. And we became fast friends, but also found that professionally we complemented one another. And so we became business partners. We brought our kids to work with us and started kind of redefining women's role in business as we were running the chocolate shop. Um, and slowly over time, started to expand our products and our services. Um, Amazing. So, yeah. So we I, do a lot now. You do so much. And I just like, even hearing that, I like just feel like the biggest slacker, right? Like I had babies and I just laid there like this was a lot. And I didn't, <laughs> now what? And you're like baby on like one boob or like on your hip with the bottle shoved in its face while like taking over the world with chocolate. That's insane, Lindsay. It's well, yeah. I mean, I might be a little bit, um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. So for me, I had to be doing something. I couldn't, like, it was so hard to just be in the house with a baby. Preach. Yes. Yeah. I was, I was not, no, I was not made to be a stay at home mom. I genuinely tried. Yeah. And we got to about six months and we kind of looked at each other and went, you again, huh? Yeah, right. And I went to my husband. I was like, yeah, we're going to need to get some daycare. <laughs> this yeah. is not going to work for me. Um, and I just, I couldn't. My husband is English. And so in his mind, like, it's very normal that, like, obviously mom stays home for a year with the kids because that's. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I was like, oh, Oh, not this mom, as it turns out. Like I wanted to be that mom, but I am not. I'm 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 more like you in that regard. So I feel you a hundred percent. So you got you found you magically found the perfect women to run this business with you. Yeah. And opened it up and then everybody immediately flocked to you and was like, We should pay you all the money for troubles. And that was it. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly how it went though, right, Lindsay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never totally a hard day. Had to, nope. <laughs> Never had to worry about social media or marketing, pricing out chocolate. What is that? Yeah, I so that's a good question. Like how one of the things you must hear all the time, because I have heard people say it and I always want to punch them in the face. When I'm in a high-end chocolatier and they look at the truffles and they're like, four dollars for a truffle I could get so many Snickers bars for that and I'm just like then by all means please go and yeah. do so because this is a totally different product like the love and craftsmanship and quality of ingredients everything that went into this versus that Snickers bar is just like night and day so but how do you respond to that and a how do you respond but b how often does that even happen or do people just not bother so for the most part, we don't get that as much anymore. Our customers understand where our chocolate is coming from. I mean, we do a lot of education, don't get me wrong, hmm. but you know, they understand the love and the passion and the care that we put into our products. Um, a lot of what we put into the education is more the sourcing of the cacao, um, so everything is sustainably grown, 
biodiversity is huge. There is no slave labor, no exploitation of individuals or of land. Everything is transparently sourced. Um, and so, I mean, if somebody does say that to us, we will, and they care and they want a response, we will absolutely talk about why the cost is what it is. Um, I mean, and, and for better or for worse, the supply chain is getting harder. And I mean, the environment is not getting any better any, anytime soon. And so the price of chocolate is going to go up everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but that includes the craft chocolate world as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I have to say, like, I, your prices are, I think, exceptionally fair for the, the level of quality products that you have, et cetera. Like, I would never say that they're cheap or inexpensive, but like, I think it's very fair. Like there are others that are eye-wateringly <laughs> expensive by, by comparison. So, um, and, and like I said, the level of ethics and, and conscientiousness that went into that to your choices, I think are incredible. So talk to me about the whole, um, environmental situation with chocolate, because I think this is one of those things that there's been like two pieces of information in the media, but it's been like not really well discussed. It's just the headline, chocolate more expensive, everybody panic. And they, and then that's it. So tell me a little bit more about why the environmental impact is making chocolate more expensive and what that means for like the longer term. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm not an economist. I'm not, you know, yep, yep, um, got it. But as a chocolatier though, right. you're understanding. But, yeah. So there are a lot of different factors. And actually there was a time when people said, oh, the price of chocolate's going to go down. And then, and then the media kind of went crazy. And then it, they said, oh, it's going to go crazy expensive. And, and that's kind of where we are now. Um, there are a number of things that are happening. One of them is because there's such a demand for chocolate, uh, the, the kind of mass chocolate industry is saying, okay, so let's grow more cacao. And so they are chopping down rainforests and growing rows and rows of cacao, which is bad for the environment. Um, as you can imagine, it's bad for the farmers because then they only have one crop that they can sell and they are completely dependent on the market. Um, and so, so there's that. And, you know, we can get into more of that. The other thing that's happening, which I think you're probably alluding to, is climate change. Um, and so there are actually places around the equator. Chocolate only grows around the equator. And there are places where um, the climate is just completely changing and where it once grew well and easily, um, it is no longer growing. And then the fermentation and again i'm not a fermentation expert but based on my understanding um the the whole process is completely changing and so fermentation has a huge impact on the way that our chocolate tastes ultimately if you're eating mass chocolate mass produced chocolate it probably doesn't make a difference but any craft chocolate you're going to notice if something is not fermented well um and there are places like in trinidad and, and tobago where research is being done on that whole process and what five years ago was fermented beautifully perfectly now it's going 
you know, people are saying 10, 11 days and still not getting to the point where it's ready. And that's way too long. Um, so all of these factors impact the cost of our chocolate. That makes sense. And is, you know, I, the, I had heard a little about the environmental that like the, the, they don't know really why, but they're, they're not growing and nobody's really sure what to do about that. And then again, the socioeconomic issues along coupled with the geopolitical situations in the areas where chocolate comes from, like it's. You picked like the hardest, right? You know that, right? Yes, <laughs> you I'm could well have been aware. anything else. You could have been like a mead maker and been like, look at all the honey that comes from the organic flowers near my house. But no, <laughs> chocolate. Yeah. Um, but it is also the most delicious. So you talked, one of the things you talked about there a lot was the difference between mass-produced chocolate and um and craft chocolate. Talk me through, like, I'm totally ignorant on this, other than the fact that one tastes like, eh, and one tastes like, oh, yeah. So um, <laughs> talk me through, like, the functional difference between them and why you would be able to taste a, the fermentation process in one but not the other. Yeah. So, and to be fair, I think it takes some practice to really distinguish the different flavors. Um, but a, a mass-produced chocolate, you know, the chocolate that most of us grew up with, is going to taste the same today as it did 20 years ago, as it did 50 years ago and 100 years ago. And that's intentional. Um, and that, you know, these these big chocolate companies get chocolate that is cultivated, you know, in a eh way. Um, there is often, um, um, there are often people that are exploited in this process, although I don't wanna say always, but that's certainly a part of the process. Um, and they, you know, they will, they, that cacao gets fermented, it gets dried, it gets roasted, winnowed, it goes through the whole process in the same way, but without as much care. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of care and quality control that's put into, for example, drying the beans. Uh, with craft chocolate that is sometimes left out when you dry this kind of mass-produced chocolate because it doesn't matter because you're going to over-roast the chocolate and then you're going to add other ingredients in. Craft chocolate, on the other hand, only has a couple different ingredients unless you're putting in other additives, but just pure chocolate only has two, maybe three ingredients. And it is processed with care. So, uh, you know, the fermentation is done and the people who are fermenting it put so much love into the way that they are fermenting the, the cacao. The same thing with drying it. And then when it's usually exported uh, to the chocolate maker, the chocolate maker is going to roast that cacao with so much love. They're going to get the best flavor out of it that they can um, and then mix it with the appropriate ingredients. So usually that's sugar, maybe some added cocoa butter, um, what, what have you. And, and that they will do their best to bring the, the highest, best quality out of that, that cacao. And so it's going to taste different every batch. So talking about the different types of chocolate, my understanding is that in the world of a chocolatier, my taste in chocolate is basically like walking into a high-end steakhouse and ordering it well done. Okay. I prefer milk chocolate or bittersweet 
but I don't actually prefer dark chocolate. And my understanding is that that is like, I basically just said, I'd like to spit in people's chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) What, so is that, so is it because of the purity of the flavor? Is that why, is it, is that really the case or is that just, I have snobby friends who like to make fun of me? Like (laughs) where, where is that in terms of reality? So I, sorry, Uh, we do chocolate tastings and I would be curious to do a chocolate tasting with you with dark, with different varieties of dark chocolate to see if that's actually the case or if you just haven't had any dark chocolate that you like. Um, You've done, you've tried a lot. I'm seeing your face. (laughs) Okay. Yes. So, which, so I, and I can actually tell you why. So, and I, I can't remember, there is some, I don't know, some should, anyway, there is super tasters for bitter flavor and there are some people who like anything even a little bit bitter like that blows up in their mouth yeah that's you and all dark chocolate has at least some bitterness to it so if i the only way i ever really like enjoy dark chocolate personally is if it has a high salt component so like if it's like i know on your website you have salted hazelnut bars a bark that comes Um, with dark chocolate. So that is something that I might be able to enjoy because like the salt cuts that through that like blow up feeling. But even then, like I can only have just a little piece and I can taste the notes again, if it's, if it has either some salt or some acid with it, I can taste the other notes in the chocolate, but otherwise I just get like bitter and that's all that happens in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. To answer your, your original question. Sorry. (laughs) No, you know, way too much about how my mouth works, but I think that's awesome though. It's fascinating. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think that for a a while when dark chocolate first started to be kind of trendy, that's how people thought and kind of fancy craft chocolate makers wouldn't make milk chocolate and white chocolate was like the devil. Um, it's <laughs> not chocolate. So let's like, I, I object to it being called chocolate and I'm not a chocolate here. Cause I'm like, it's just not, it's just factually inaccurate that it's not chocolate. Well, so technically it is chocolate because it has, if it has cocoa butter in there, it technically is chocolate. It doesn't have any cocoa solids in there, <laughs> um, but yeah, so milk chocolate. So, so that kind of way of thinking has changed, um, and I think if you like milk chocolate and that works for you, then go for it and find all the best milk chocolates you can. I, I, I wish more people made better sweet chocolate because it's actually my favorite because milk is a little too sweet for me. Um, and dark chocolate just blows up my mouth. Okay. Which does not mean I don't suffer through. Don't get me wrong, Lindsay. Like it's <laughs> chocolate, right? Yeah. Like you do but, what you have to. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Um, talk to me about Ruby chocolate. Because I've had a couple of things made with it. It's fine. It's I've always had it paired with berry. So it's like a, a raspberry or a strawberry. So it's got like the sharpness from the berry. And I'm told that that complements the sharpness of the red, the ruby chocolate. But how the hell could you tell? Because it's a freaking raspberry, which is like so big of a flavor. Yay. So what is, what is ruby chocolate? What does it actually taste like? I notice it is not on your website. Is that because you think it's dumb or because you just haven't done it yet? Or what's your thought? Talk to me about Ruby chocolate. So I think that Ruby chocolate is an interesting scientific experiment. (laughs) Um, That is so tactfully put. I love it already. Carry on. Um, It is 
it's over in my view I like kind of pure and simple things and and we have lots of chocolate on our website and in our store that has uh, different ingredients in it you know I love playing with flavors but they're with ruby chocolate they're kind of manipulating the chocolate they're adding a lot of different um I think acids if I remember correctly um and so so it's you know, I think it's interesting. I don't love the flavor. I don't think it's anything to write home about. And I don't love how kind of processed it is personally. Um, again, I think it's an interesting, like, food product, but it wouldn't be, <laughs> it wouldn't be my first choice. Oh my God. I, <laughs> I love, uh, you being tactful or trying really hard <laughs> and I think that you know, my new favorite thing for the rest of this conversation Lindsay is going to be how can I make Lindsay try really hard to sound nice about something she doesn't feel nice about because that's hilarious okay um, let's do it <laughs> challenge accepted bring it so I so the next thing I want to talk about then on the like how can we no not uh, how we can sell Lindsay but um so one of the trends that I have noticed as somebody who spends, as previously stated, way too much on gourmet chocolates um, is that the flavor combos have gotten a little crazy town. Yeah. So some of them are just like, I never thought of putting that together. And that is amazing and delightful on my palate. Who'd have thunk? And what is some of them are, shall we say not? The peanut butter Szechuan truffle was not good, Lindsay. It was definitely not good. <laughs> um, and I like I love all flavors from all over the world. So like that's you know I was excited to try peanut butter Szechuan, and then I was like, oh, there is a reason we do not see this everywhere. Um, your flavors are. Interesting. So you have like the peach basil, right? But they're they're still very much in the nobody's gonna look at your flavors and be like, whoa, that is crazy weird. Is that a conscious choice or is that a that's what sells in Rochester choice? And you like in your free time at home make, you know, Szechuan peanut butter truffles? Like what is what is that idea for you? <coughs> that is um probably a combination. If I had all the time in the world, I mean, you know, you asked about how I first started and I said I had a list of a hundred different flavors and that's just what I kind of came up with off the cuff. So if I had all the time in the world, I would love to spend time in kind of like research and development and, and playing with all of the flavors because I think that's fun. It's not, and, and my, at least one of my partners would probably join in on that. Um, Carla loves doing that with me, but you know, I don't know that that's the most productive thing to do with my time. And I have two kids and a business to run and a husband who I love and friends that I try to maintain. Um, so it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, I love to do it at home, but it also we make what we think tastes good. We wouldn't sell anything that we don't like, that we wouldn't want to eat. That mm. makes perfect sense to me. Um, I, so have you ever then, from your hundred list of flavors, 
have you ever made one that you thought, oh, no, no, no. Like, did you have your own version of Szechuan peanut butter? Or had they always been delicious and exactly as good as you thought they were going to be? I certainly have tried recipes and they didn't come out exactly the way I thought they would. Okay. Um, and I think more often the opposite thing happens. Like, I don't like salty and sweet, but my oh, sister, yeah. when I first, I know, and everybody loves it. Everybody does. Um, and so when I first started, you know, eight years ago, my sister said, you have to have a salted caramel. I was like, no, too trendy. I don't like it. We're not going to do it. And together we came up with this amazing salted caramel recipe. And I put that in my coffee. I make hot chocolate with it all year round. Like I love it so much. So I think I'm trying to think of something that we made that I just didn't really love. and. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I'm going to keep thinking though. Are there other chocolate flavor? Cause you must like, if I get spammed by Facebook, like your feed must be ridiculously just like everything chocolate in the whole wide world. Are there, and I don't, yeah. you don't have to name names or anything, but are there flavors that you've seen from other people's ads that you're like, Ooh, I want to try that. Like, have you had those kind of moments of inspiration? And if so, are there things that you're currently kind of percolating on like I keep seeing this trend around having this or that in in the chocolates and that seems like a great idea um and we always are getting different ideas from other chocolate companies and and from different like food scenes mm -hmm. um and so um we made a garam masala truffle the other uh, a couple months ago, which was really delicious. It wouldn't be the kind of thing that I would want to eat every single day, but to be, you know, a one-time dessert or paired with something specific, it was amazing. And that came from a, a local friend, a, a shop owner, a, a clothing shop owner and designer. Um, and so that was her idea. Um, but she's not a foodie or like she's not in the food world. The peanut butter Szechuan people also have a garam masala one. Oh, it was they? also not delicious. Oh no. But maybe yours is so much better. <laughs> and, and theirs are really beautiful, like shaped and painted and like they've, they, you know, all of that. The, um, I think there's a big trend right now in, in high-end chocolates to do like the airbrushing on them. So they've got all of like the rainbow colors and everything. Yeah. I like that yours just look like chocolate. Like it's just really good chocolate and it just looks like really good chocolate. And uh, well, that, that was a conscious decision because while I think all of that cocoa butter and the airbrushing looks beautiful, you have to put, uh, again, it's the other ingredients, those additives. And we didn't, we decided not to do that. We decided that we would kind of stick with the all natural and make them simple and focus on the flavor and and I mean I'm biased but I think they're all delicious um I am very excited to try some for sure <laughs> yeah. um but um that's so one of the things that I was super bummed that I don't live in upstate New York about was the fact that you guys do pairings and you do tasting sessions with local restaurants and I think that's so interesting mm -hmm. so I, there used to be the show on the, um, food network back in the day, because I am not a spring chicken, um, where they would have like a theme and every single course 
in like this like five course menu had to include the theme. And so like one time they did garlic and I was like, there's not a world in which I'm eating a garlic dessert, but they made a garlic ice cream and the people assured me that that was delicious. I think Anthony Bourdain was involved. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, anything about Anthony Bourdain, you're going to watch, right? So, <laughs> um, but they did one that was chocolate and it was like every single course had chocolate. And I was like, I would think that of all the ingredients that you could do that with, probably chocolate is one of your best bets because it lends so well to both sweet and savory. So when you do the the pairings to the local restaurants, is that what it is? Is it that they incorporate your chocolate into all the courses or is it like an amuse-bouche between as a palate cleanser or some combination of that? Like, how does it work? It can be either or both. Um, which is one of the amazing things and one of the really fun things that we get to do. So yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. You can you can work cacao and chocolate into all sorts of savory things. You can also pair, you know, any meal, any course with a specific kind of chocolate and then wine, of course. Um, and so we do any and all of the above. It's actually a relatively new thing that we're doing. Kind of since the world started opening up a couple months ago, we started uh, partnering with with more restaurants um, and and wineries and bars, um, and it's been really really fun. I think like the winery thing, like that just makes sense, right? Like yeah. I've my parents lived in NorCal for a long time. I've spent rather a lot of time in the wineries of Northern California. <laughs> Most of them have some kind of like a nibble or a bite to have between the different samples, and so chocolate makes perfect sense to me there. With your, in your new adventure with these yeah. restaurants, I mean, have you, do you work with the chef and have you made recommendations on savory? And if so, what is your favorite savory chocolate dish that you've made so far? So we are just doing our first uh, dinner like this, this coming Saturday. How exciting. Oh, I know. It's is so it a exciting. secret menu or can you tell me? No, it's a secret menu. Everything is secret. Okay. We'll have it out soon. Okay. Uh, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what it is. Okay. Um, but I, I like cooking with chocolate and one of my favorite kind of like most surprising things to do myself. Um, we did this a couple years ago here at the shop. We made a pasta Alfredo with mushrooms and spiced chocolate. Like a, we have a spiced uh, drinking chocolate mm -hmm. and it has cinnamon and cayenne in it. And so we put that on top. We sprinkled that on top as well as cacao nibs. And it was so good. Um, I never would have thought like the cheese with the chocolate, but I can also see, like you can kind of sense like how the creaminess would actually kind of, but yeah, I mean, I'm from the South. So obviously my head immediately goes to mole, right? Like immediately yep. you think savory chocolate, you think mole and mole is one of the most delicious things that was ever yeah. created. So, but it also has like everything, including the kitchen sink right in it. <laughs> and it's delicious. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. So do you, like, do you make mole yourself? Because I can't imagine that it's like a hot ticket item in upstate New York. No. So what happened is when COVID first started, we knew we needed more shelf-stable ingredients or more shelf-stable products. And so we started partnering with local restaurants and businesses to create new recipes. And there is a local women-owned Mexican restaurant that has mole sauce. And so we used some of their ingredients and their recipe uh, to create our own mole bar. 
Um, and then we give a portion of that back to um, a, a local organization um, called Saving AJ. And so we don't make mole sauce at the shop, but we do make this this bar. Yum. Yeah, it's amazing. It's one of my favorite. It has dark and milk chocolate in it. Um, so it's really well balanced. It doesn't have everything in the kitchen sink in there, but it's got quite a bit in it. <laughs> there's a lot going on. I And yeah, and I know um, there's so many different types of mole and like there's very regional differences, et cetera, et cetera. So I can imagine that you probably would have a lot of, of opportunity for fun with that. How exciting. Um <sighs> So I am still gutted that I don't get to hear about the secret menu, but I hope, is this going to be like a one-time thing? Like what's the response been? Are people like clamoring for tickets and like coming to your house and trying to find out what's on the menu? Like what, how is it going with this? Because that's a, it's a big uh, experiment. It, you're freezing on so how has the experiment gone? Are people like clamoring for tickets and like breaking into your house late at night looking for your secret recipes? Is <laughs> and it, like, cause this is a really big undertaking for a small business, right? To do these kind of big pairings, et cetera. So what is this the one and done or is this already proving to be successful? What's the plan? We're going to keep trying it. So, and the chef at um, this particular restaurant is called, is called Crisp. And so the chef there has done a lot of the work and, um, one of my partners, Carla, has done a lot of the kind of development with, together with Crisp. Um, it, there's a lot of interest and we're still trying to figure out like, what is the perfect price point? What is the perfect time of year? Because August, it's Labor Day weekend, you know, maybe not the perfect weekend. Um, so there's a lot that we're still figuring out and we love partnering with local local businesses and organizations. So we're going to keep trying. Cool. I'm excited for that. I know some of the wine clubs that we're, my husband and I are part of partner with different restaurants across the country to come out and showcase their wines. And so they do like a, like a five city tour basically. And we've traveled for those because they always like pair with some ridiculously amazing chef and then they're yeah. like, you know, pairings with all the wines. And so I, if you decide to take this on the road, Lindsay, no, that I would easily, you know, a couple hundred bucks, I'm in. So okay. just Good let me know. <laughs> well, and we do do virtual tastings and virtual pairings. Um, so I was going to ask about that. I thought that's really cool. Is that when you do those, is it a preset thing? Or do people like, if a company wanted to do like a, a virtual tasting for their employees, would you like customize it for them? How does it work? Yeah, absolutely. I love customizing things. I think it's really fun. <laughs> um, so, you know, you say we have a couple that are kind of preset, but if you come to us and say, we want to do a chocolate tasting and we want it to be all milk or all from Ecuador or all, you know, from Africa or whatever the case may be, or we want to learn about chocolate and science, then we will arrange and customize that tasting to be, to be that. Um, oh, cool. I love that. That's like the best. So one of the things that I get asked all the time by companies I work with is, well, what are some ideas for helping us stay connected when we're remote first, et cetera. And like, that's something that everybody could zoom in and on and, yeah. and do. I thought that's a great idea. That's my new favorite idea for what yeah. I'm going to tell people. I love it. It's really fun. 
Oh my gosh. So, and I love the fact that obviously you're all about customizing everything because that makes sense given what you guys do yeah. <laughs> as a, a practice and a business. Um, and then, so what do you said that your other two partners perfectly complement your skills? Yeah. Is like one of them, the spreadsheet queen and one of them is the marketer or is like one of them a pastry chef. And I don't think that's true though, because you don't have pastries. So like, how does that, how does that symbiosis work between the three of you? So I am technically the CEO. Um, so I'm like the big picture person and I have a little bit of pastry arts background, um, but we all are, we all make the chocolate. We all have chocolate expertise at this point. Allison uh, has an MBA and has business experience. And so she loves her spreadsheets. Yep. She is the numbers person and the business person. And Carla is our COO and she has um, corporate management experience. And so like, SOPs, she's your person. Um, I'm not good with systems. I want to like, you know, have a hand here and a hand there. And, um, but she keeps me on task. <laughs> You're the creative and they yeah. are the ones responsible for keeping like your feet pinned to the floor is what I heard. Yeah. And we, you know, we all are creative and we all have brilliant ideas at different times and we all can kind of like, uh, you know, if one of us is the balloon, this is an analogy that we use often. If one of us is like the balloon, then the other two can kind of say like, okay, the balloon can go up this high or pull it down when necessary. We all, we balance each other out pretty well. Love it. Yeah. So you all had kids at roughly the same time. So how often do the kids get to come and help and have the kids created any of the flavors that you guys have, have gone with? Uh, oh, so my daughter's favorite, actually, I think all of their favorite is banana chocolate. We have um, dried bananas dipped in chocolate and I mean, yeah. they will eat those all day. Um, they actually, my, my five-year-old just asked if we could make some chocolate at home recently. So they have not created anything, although they do help. My, my daughter, Alex, helps lead chocolate tastings virtually often. Um, I think, again, I think all of the kids have peeked their head in from time to time. Um, and then my daughter's preschool, we did a little chocolate tasting for them. And she totally led that for, you know, the first five seconds. <laughs> um, and then mommy took over. <laughs> yeah, we did it together. But yeah. That's so funny. So you're, are you going to make the chocolate at home? We will. Yeah. And are you yeah. going to let her pick the flavors? And oh, yeah. I'm excited. So if she makes something that is a ridiculous concoction that you're like, how has this not already been in my face? Is that then like, will it go on the shelf? And cause you realize as a mom yeah. that that is like the beginning. Like yeah. as soon as that happens once, now the other one's going to want her own flavor. And then it's going to be like every month, mommy, can we make a new flavor? Because that's how children do to us. Yeah. Like, yeah. So are you, are you ready for, for what you're unleashing? Well, so they're starting kindergarten. So, <laughs> you know, so you're hoping they'll be distracted. I have one that just started kindergarten. <laughs> there is no distraction. Yeah. <laughs> if there was an option for him to make a new flavor of chocolate, magic would be like, I'm here, mama. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see I'm not opposed I'm not gonna say no yet <laughs> oh my gosh that's so adorable my kids are 
So we are more like, I am a terrible baker. I am, I am just no good with anything sweet. It looks ugly. It usually tastes fine, but it's like, I think pastry in particular is so much even more visual than savory food. And you always eat with your eyes first. I get it. But like, we have a lot more allowance for savory food than we do with pastry. And so I'm always like, oh, that just looks terrible. I'm just going to pay somebody else to do dessert. And one of the few things I make is chocolate chip cookies. And they're pretty good. But because I am not a big sweet person, I always, all of my chocolate chip cookies are always dusted with um, kosher salt and like quite a bit. So my kids grew up with that. (laughs) And then they went to my sister's house and my sister made cookies and they were so excited. Like, mama makes chocolate chip cookies. Auntie made chocolate chip cookies. This is amazing. And they were like, those cookies are not right. Oh, <laughs> and my sister was like, "What do you mean? We made." She was like, "I didn't even get out like the tube. I, like I made cookies because oh, I know what your home is like." <laughs> and they're like, "Those are not good cookies." <laughs> and she was like, "It's because your mother put salt on them." And she's so she said to the next batch she put in, she put salt on them, and they were like, "Those are still not good cookies." But it's because she doesn't, she doesn't cook. And so she has like, like iodized, like, you know, in the shaker salt and that versus like a couple of flakes of kosher salt is very different. Yeah. Not the same at all. I imagine that your kids will be a similar bane to people like going around and they're like, look, here's chocolate. And they're like, I don't know what that is, but that is not chocolate. We'll see. It hasn't happened yet, so I don't. But they are very used to mommy's chocolate, so <laughs> I bet. Yeah. So it is almost September at the time of this recording, which is ridiculous. Like, there's no yeah. way it should be this late in the year, and yeah. that means that Halloween is right around the corner. So I have to ask, what does the chocolatier give out at Halloween? Oh, so the past couple of years have been COVID and we live on a busy street. And so nobody comes to our house. I think if they knew that there was a chocolatier that lived there, Lindsay, (laughs) that that might change. Maybe. I don't know. Our next door app in my neighborhood, you can flag on there if you are passing out chocolate, if you're passing out candy at Halloween, and you can not only flag what you, that you're passing out, but what you're passing out. Oh and so, yeah, and I live in a bougie neighborhood, so there's a couple <laughs> of places that are like whole candy bar people, you know, the ones that like every other parent hates. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> great, you spent five thousand dollars on candy, and the rest of us didn't, and now you just make us look bad. Thanks so much. <laughs> But so they, they flag it up there and those houses get hit very hard, very oh, quickly. So funny. So. Huh. Okay. Well, yeah, well, I guess I have to put a little thought into it this year because people are opening up and yeah, I'm sure we'll get, we'll get visitors this year. So I've got to think about it. I don't know. You can't be lame. Lizzie. Like <laughs> no. Hashtag all the pressure, but like, yeah. like you are like the neighborhood Willy Wonka. So <laughs> my partner Allison lives on the same street as I do. So the two of us. That's double. Like, I mean, oh. I feel like all the more reason you definitely have to. And we, so do the girls, have the girls been trick-or-treating with COVID yeah. and everything? Okay. Yeah. Last year they did. Were they totally disappointed with crappy chocolate? 
they didn't get to eat a whole lot of it. They will, they eat a lot of the sugary stuff because that's like my husband's thing is he loves like the hard candies and all that. So they try to get smarting. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of forgot about it after a couple of days to tell you the truth. Yeah. 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 My kids came home and they were like, wait a minute. <laughs> we got to dress up like Bluey. And then we got to go around and everybody, all of our friends gave us candy and now we get to eat it. And this is the thing. Right. And they were like so terrified that we were going to take it away from them. Oh no. Because we have, we don't need a lot of sugar in our household because, you know, responsible parent most of the time. Right. And so <laughs> they're like opening it and like shoving and holding in their face as quickly as possible and kind of side-eyeing us like yeah they see if I just put this whole Reese's peanut butter cup in my mouth maybe they won't know <laughs> oh that's too funny it was hilarious watching these two boys try to like really and they were trying to do it like on the down low so they'd like get their package and like shove oh, it under the gosh. table like they were sneaking. Casual. They were. They have no sneak, but they were trying so hard to sneak. It was Aww. adorable, adorable. Yeah. So yeah, it um, and we definitely, you know, there was mom tax, obviously, right. So <laughs> all of be. the full size candy bars were definitely in the mom tax cattle. Yeah. I was like, no, you you do not need this full size candy bar because you would way rather eat five little ones than yeah. one of this for sure. Right. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I um, I expect a full report on yeah. what you decide to do for Halloween okay. because I feel like that's there's got to be some kind of like a candy spider situation that happens. Yeah, maybe we'll do little like mini chocolate pumpkin molds or something silly like that. You we'll can see. make fruit bats. That would be adorable. You do How like a chocolate like mango yeah. and do like a little fruit bat. <gasps> My kids would go nuts for a fruit bat. Also, Bluey episode, but you know. That would be so cute. And my kids could help with that. They would love that so much. There you go. And you feel a little bit better because you're also kind of giving fruit, but also chocolate. Yeah, exactly. It's the good chocolate and it's fruit. So it's perfect. And Super you're healthy. Still not that mom that gives out toothpaste, which right. who are those people? Who sits there and thinks on Halloween night, you know what I'm going to do? I want to be the house that gives out the toothbrushes. You Nobody know, I've gotten I've never gotten toothpaste. Yeah. My kids both got, they got two toothbrushes with like a little thing of toothpaste each. And I'm like, do we like have a dentist oh or three gosh. in this neighborhood? Is that what's happening? Again, bougie neighborhood. So like it's, we have a lot of doctors. It yeah. could be. But I'm <laughs> like, like, this is ridiculous. It's like one night, guys, lighten up. <laughs> well, I've never even heard of that. That's... It's an honest to God thing. I'm like, oh yeah, no, the whole, it's very weird, the whole thing. Anyway, we have gone down a weird rabbit hole and I'm going to bring us back. All right. <laughs> um, so my favorite thing on your website, as I believe I already told you, is your chocolate uterus. Yeah. Talk to me about your chocolate uterus. Um, yeah, so... We actually started putting them together, um, was it almost a year ago when Texas banned the, banned abortions up until six weeks. And so, um, 
we started working with a local artist and said, you know, what, what can we do? Like felt helpless, felt completely distraught. How we're, we're here in upstate New York. Like, how can we, how can we make a difference? Um, especially thinking about, you know, abortion is healthcare and banning abortions is racist and it's misogynist and it's, you know, all of these different things. Um, and so we, with a, with a local artist designed this uterus mold and started selling them. Um, I think it finally all came together in January. It took a while to get together. Um, and we gave a portion back to support your sisters uh, which is part of the National Abortion Fund, uh, part of the AFIA Center, and then started promoting them again just a couple months ago when they started banning, or when Roe was banned, or saying that wrong. Overruled. When, yes. Yeah, overruled. Um, and we actually now have uh, a, a kind of silly thing where the back of um, every 28 molds is, has berries on it. I don't know if you saw this on our website, but I did. I am uh, hoping that at least one of the ones I have ordered <laughs> will come with berries on it. So yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so you get to win all sorts of fun things. If you get, uh, the, the berry mold, <laughs> the berry uterus. Um, yeah, <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. That like, yeah, one of it has. Yes, I love it. And so, who? So, are the because um, I, I know there's still a percentage of the proceeds that go to um, help. Is it the same charity? Has that changed at all? No, well, it's the same one. Um, we decided to stick with the same one. Yeah, okay, awesome. Ra raise awareness and still, you know, Texas is still one of the many states that still needs a lot. So, believe me, as somebody coming to you live from Texas, you're brave. Yeah, believe me, coming to you live from Texas, I am very aware of how freaking unspeakably backwards my state is in so yeah. very many ways. It hurts yeah. my heart. Yeah. Um, but we appreciate the pity, <laughs> the support from the That's the word I would use. The sympathy. Support. <laughs> and the sister solidarity as well. Yeah, there so, you go. For sure. Yeah. Um, so we are, we, this has been amazing and I have learned a lot about chocolate and we are almost out of time. So what have I not asked you that I should have asked? Oh, we do so much. Um, so we talked briefly about our experiences um, and we do in-person experiences and virtual experiences. Um, we give a portion back for not just the uterus, but quite a few of our products. We have what we call an inspired by Rochester line um, where we give back to local organizations, the Texas organization. And then we also give back to the Trevor Center. We have a rainbow pride park. Um, and I don't know, we do so much, but I think that covers, that covers kind of a lot of it. Great. Well, we will have links to all of the places that people can find you and your amazing products um, in the show notes. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. This has been so such a great conversation. Thank you. Yeah, I really loved it. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to, Hey, I want your job. For more information on how you can get your own awesome job, visit ONH Consulting at www.onhconsulting.com. 
We offer incredible resumes, no-nonsense career advice, and real-world tips for landing a job in today's market. Check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Insta for more insider information. Soon, you'll be hearing us say, I'm Michelle Olivier, and hey, I want your job. <laughs>